I invite you to pray with me. Lord, settle our busy minds, open our hearts, so that each one of us may hear what it is you have to say to us in this time and in this place, or wherever it is that we sit when we hear this message. As always, I pray that my words would be your words. Amen. So every family has their legends, right? Or those stories that some members swear by and others scratch their heads and say, did it really happen that way? I find in our family that if you are the subject of the legend, you often don't remember it quite the way those who love to tell the legend do. In our family, there is a legend about me that I truthfully cannot recall the facts about. Well, I recall some of the facts, quite vividly, actually. But the end of the legend, that's the part I'm not so sure of. You have heard me speak of our family's sacred spot on Lake Winnipesaukee, New Hampshire, that glorious 26-mile stretch of crystal-clear waters lined with a fine, sandy bottom that sits nestled in the foothills of the White Mountains. It is heaven on earth, the promised land for my family. The trouble with this promised land is it's a trek from the Midwest. It's a good 18-hour drive or more. Now, my folks would load up my dad's Buick, and I'd pile the kids, however many there were that year, into a station wagon or a van, and we'd caravan off to our own promised land. It would be a two-day drive, 12 hours the first day, and then six to eight hours the next day, depending on traffic, weather, and how many times those kids needed to stop. It was a journey. It was a long and arduous journey. It was a journey filled with are we there yet? I need to go to the bathroom. And of course, I'm hungry. Now, I'm exaggerating just a tad here because my children actually were excellent road trippers. Perhaps since I had put them in the car from their very first summers and driven them out east, it was something that they knew how to do. So it really wasn't unpleasant to travel with them. Until one year. Televisions for cars had come out. Do you remember those? Any of you might be my age? I don't mean the fancy audio-visual stuff that cars would eventually come with. I mean little boxes that plugged into the cigarette lighter and had a videotape player in them. So while you couldn't watch TV or stream in today's lingo, you could pack up a bunch of VHS tapes and watch those throughout your trip. And my friend, Ellen, had one of these contraptions, and Alan kept insisting that I borrow it for that summer's eastward trip, and I kept politely declining. No, thank you. The kids are really terrific road trippers. They don't need TV or movies to pass the time. And then Ellen, dear friend that she was, decided to offer the TV one last time the day before the trip in front of the kids. In front of the kids, hear me? Well, that TV was installed in the car by those veteran road-tripping kids before I could even think to say no. And so that year, we headed off with a TV and a box of videotapes. I can't remember all the tapes that we brought. Each kid, there were three of my own that summer and a visitor from Ireland, and each kid put a few favorites in the box. I can't remember them except for one, one that is forever etched in my memory. The Spice Girls, remember them? 
Well, the Spice Girls movie traveled with us that year, and unfortunately, they all loved it. And so the Spice Girls movie played on an endless loop, or so it seemed to the driver. I did pretty well the first day. I let it play over and over and over while I silently vowed to never bring a TV again. And the next day, well, I held it together, mostly, until we hit a standstill on the 495 belt around Boston, and I mean a standstill that went on and on. And then I heard the dreaded, let's watch the Spice Girls, and I snapped, or so the legend goes. This is the part I am unclear about. But to this day, the children claim that I grabbed the tape out of their hands, rolled down the window, and heaved the Spice Girls across the traffic of 495 and onto the median strip, never to be watched again, at least by my family. It was clearly not my finest parenting moment. And I think of that story when I hear this story today, and I think, aren't we glad that our God is not that kind of parent to us on a journey? The kind of parent who snaps during a long journey and rather than thinking about what the kids need, thinks about themselves. Because I think that's some of what's going on in this morning's gospel, uh, message from the Bible. These people, these are God's people, they are the chosen people, they are on a journey, a long and arduous journey that started six weeks ago. Last week, we heard God's call to Moses to lead the people out of slavery in Egypt, and Moses did just that. He went up against Pharaoh, protesting and proclaiming, let my people go. There were some plagues involved. That helped get Pharaoh's attention. And eventually, Pharaoh and all the Egyptians were worn down and frightened to death by these plagues, and they said, get out now. Close the door behind you. Don't come back. And so that's what the people did. They followed Moses out of Egypt, out of slavery, into the desert, on a trek to their promised land. And that's where we find them today. And they are tired, and they are lost, and they need to use the bathroom, and they are hungry. And they start complaining about all this to Moses. How in the world could you have done this to us, they demand. Why couldn't you have left well enough alone? Let us just die in Egypt. At least we were well fed there. Oh, how quickly they have forgotten their lives of slavery to Pharaoh. How quickly they begin to long for a past that never was. And lucky for them, God is not the kind of parent that hurls the Spice Girls tape out the window in disgust, but rather a parent who listens with compassion, without scolding, with concern, and with provision. They're hungry? Give them quail and white stuff from the sky. What is it? Manna. Actually means, as you learned, what is it? So they didn't even know what this white stuff was. But God has heard. And God has provided meat and bread every day, enough for everyone, just what they need. Clearly, this is the God who provides what we need, when we need it, even if we say, manna, what is it? We don't know what we need. So what's so important to me in this story is the character of God. The people, well, if we're honest, we're just like them, right? Or I am. We get tired. We get hangry when life doesn't go the way we expect or think it should. 
And we have a very interesting way of looking at the past. Did I really pitch that tape out the window? Clearly, I was a terrific parent and would never have lost my cool that way. Yes, the way we look at the past is usually pretty cloudy. And that's just what our wandering Israelite friends are doing this morning, dreaming of a past that really wasn't. And I wonder, does this describe the state of the church in these post-church, post-Christendom, and post-pandemic days? You may know that I serve as the Commission on Ministry Liaison to churches that go from Clarendon Hills to Naperville, Elmhurst to Itasca, Glen Ellen, and Wheaton, and I get to hear all their stories. And one thing I hear right now from every single one of those churches, can't we go back to Egypt? You know, when Sunday school was filled and the pews overflowed on Christmas and Easter and there were spaghetti dinners and talent shows and fill in the blank with whatever it is you are missing from days gone by. If we are honest, we all long for some aspect of the Egypt of the past. Some churches actually get stuck there. A professor of mine from Luther Seminary says, every church has its back to Egypt committee. <laughs> the thing is, God was leading these folks to the promised land, right? The land flowing with milk and honey, the land that would hold all those descendants of Abraham and Sarah, the land of freedom, the land they had longed for for centuries. Yet here they are, ready to abandon the journey at the least little discomfort. Is the journey hard? Of course it is. It was 18 hours, two days of driving to New Hampshire. But it was worth the hard journey. And it's the same for our Israelite friends, and so it will be for the church. This journey is hard. And like the Israelites' journey, we have no idea where we are heading. We don't know how long it's going to take, and we don't really know how we're going to get there. But we do know we can count on God to listen, to lead, to accompany us, to provide, provide just what we need. And when? Just when we need it. The lesson for the wandering Israelites was to learn to trust and depend on God. Only take as much manna as you need each day. Enough is enough. You will get what you need. So where are we, PCWS, on our journey right now? And what is needed? Well, I think you could say we are wandering in a bit of wilderness, right? We find ourselves in a place we were not expecting to be in less than a year ago. A year ago, we had an installed pastor who hadn't been here too long, and we were still in the deep clutches of the pandemic. Booster shots were just coming out. A new variant in South Africa was making news. Travel was pretty much still on lockdown, and masks were everywhere. We were all trying to find our way out of the slavery of this health catastrophe. We were tiptoeing our way back into worship in person, holding meetings and opening our buildings to outside users very slowly and carefully. Yes, the church has collectively been in the wilderness. And here at PCWS, well, we added in the departure of a pastor. And we may be wondering where in the world are we? Where are we headed? And how in the world are we 
I get there? Well, I'm thrilled to start with the observation that I don't find a real strong back to Egypt committee here at PCWS. In fact, I have encountered already a few situations where leadership was willing and able to bless and release ministries that no longer seem to fit this congregation. If you've not heard yet, trunk or treat will not be a thing in our parking lot this year. In discussing our purpose as a church and the needs of our surrounding community, those responsible for that event unanimously agreed that it no longer fit here. And so we blessed it, the past, and we released it, giving thanks for the fun that it was on the years that we did it, and we let go of it. Now, a longer ministry that PCWS is stepping back from is the annual crop walk. Now, that has been a valuable tool in the fight against hunger for decades, and many in this congregation have walked and pledged funds over those decades to support that fight. However, Mission Committee realized that fewer and fewer were walking each year. I think we were down to one walker last year. And Mission realized, though, that we are still very committed to the fight against hunger. We just live it out differently now than we did when the first crop walk began. Just take a look at the food drop-off bins outside our office doors. Or be here on a weekday morning when members take all that donated food to the Baptist Food Pantry. Or remember on the TV all the ways the kids created food bags for the BEDS program during Vacation Bible School. In other words, our commitment to the hungry of the world has only grown. It is as strong as ever. We are just living it out in new ways. So, as we bless and release the crop walk, we will honor those who have walked over the years in next week's worship. If you've walked in the past, any time in the past, try to be here next Sunday as we celebrate a wonderful ministry and look towards the future of our assistance to the hungry of God's world in different ways. Now, those are just two examples of the strength and the health that I've found here. Two examples that express a willingness to let go of a back-to-Egypt mindset and look with expectation to the future. And that future is filled with questions. I don't deny that. What will the church look like as it emerges more and more from the pandemic? Who here will be our next pastor? How long will we wander in all this unknowingness? Well, just as the Israelites had no idea how long they would wander in the desert or what the promised land would really be like, we lack answers right now as well. But what we learn from their story is to trust. Trust God, lean into God, know in our heart of hearts that God will provide just what we need when we need it. I assure you, God is right now preparing the next pastor for PCWS. And God is right now preparing us for this next part of the journey. The God of the book of Exodus is the God of deliverance, the God of the journey, and the God of the promised land, and our role is just to trust that God. What we need to realize is that God's acts of deliverance, of bringing freedom, almost always lead into the wilderness. God delivers people from Egypt to walk the desert for 40 years. Why? So that they can learn to trust God for what they need. And we are no different. 
The Israelites could not have the past that they envisioned. They had to step into a future that they could not imagine. We are being asked to do the same through the effects of a pandemic, through the end of a pastorate that may have seemed too short to some. The thing is, maybe that pastorate was exactly the right length of time because God is in control. And God always takes us into a future that we cannot script, a future that is beyond our control. But if we can trust God each step of the journey towards that future, we will be just fine. So, what is it we need right now on this journey? Well, here's what I think we need. You might have your own list. We need prayer. We need participation from all of you. We need patience as we wade through the process. And we need to trust God to make known the next chapter. I also think we need some perseverance. Everyone is tired, right, from the pandemic, from pastoral changes. But God will give us the energy, just enough, that we need for this next section of the journey. So it is time to take the next step in the current wilderness journey that we're on here. On October 23rd, right after worship, you are all invited to gather in the Jones Room and reflect on some pretty important questions. Questions like, why do we exist at PCWS? How have we changed over the last four to five years? How has the pandemic affected what we think about PCWS, its purpose and its calling? All of our reflections will help the pastor nominating committee create the ministry description that will be like a job posting for your next pastor. And the nominating committee is already beginning to gather and they will be tasked with calling a pastor nominating committee in addition to elders and deacons. And so it is so important for all voices to be heard at this stage of the journey. So please try to join us on October 23rd. We will conclude by noon and of course there will be food. Not manna. I hope we won't say what is it. If for some reason you can't join in that day, don't worry. There will be other opportunities to share your thoughts, so watch for those in the, in the near future. These are the truths that I want us to take from today's story. Wandering in the desert is nothing new for God's people. In fact, it seems to be part of the necessary process to get to any promised land. God will listen to us and provide just what we need when we need it. God will not hurl the Spice Girls tape out the window. Trust that. While we can't possibly imagine what our promised land looks like right now, God knows. Trust that. And even though the people didn't know what the flaky stuff from the sky was, manna, God provided and it turned out to be just what they needed. The same will be true for all of us. So come along on this next part of the journey with the God who provides, the God who can be trusted, the God who listens and responds. Amen.